Hey, welcome back to Opposites of Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining us this week, I, I lied to you, Jack Easton's still here. Jack, what are you still doing here? Uh, you know, sometimes planes leave on specific days, and uh, you get dates mixed up, and you just you just get on a plane, you leave. It's easy. Sometimes you get on a plane, you come back. It's a whole it's a whole ordeal. Yeah, I've, I've heard it works that way on occasion, but, you know. Um, Mostly, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I learned a lot today. Because we we were told that the Irish goodbye is not real, uh, it's not a thing. Not not in my experience. It takes fucking ninety minutes yeah. minimum to get out of a family. Which event is where some I'm from. real Midwestern shit. Because obviously, like Midwesterners love to adopt Irishness as like their favorite thing to talk about, and uh, you know they they make it a big part of their personality and to let everyone know I'm. I'm one thirty second Irish and also one thirty second Cherokee. Like everybody wants to be an Irish Native American, basically. And uh, one thing they they took from the Irish uh, is they they love these long ass fucking goodbyes. And I I am late to this recording because it it took me an hour to walk fifty feet to my car. Although. Yep. I'm I'm starting to see some evolution. You know, I was thinking about when we were watching uh, Crimes of the Future and how people are kind of like, you know, they're they're, they're growing one? these new organs. Uh, the the one without the the child molestation. Um, <laughs> so without the pedos. The one with the child nudity. Yeah, the, the yeah, the one, the one, the child <laughs> nudity, but not the pedos. I mean, murdering murdering a child is a form <laughs> of molestation. I'm conf both of them. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyhow. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, maybe I should have just gone with the year 2022. Anyways, you know, growing these new organs, human evolution. And I feel like I witnessed the first step in like the Midwestern family, uh, party goodbye. Uh, like what does it, what does it look like? How do you go beyond taking 90 minutes to fucking leave a party? And the answer is there was a, a, a couple there. Uh, not not actually related to, to me in any way, shape, or form. Uh, just friends uh, of, of the hosts. But they did the standard, like, 60-minute process of, of getting from the back porch to the driveway to get into their car. And then, then, they talked by their car, got in, and proceeded to sit in their car for 30 minutes. 30 minutes. I was in the process of my own goodbyes trying to leave and witness these people just sitting in the car. What are they doing? Were they, were they arguing? This seems like an argument no, thing. No, that's the thing, because mm. that's where my brain went, right? I'm like, oh, clearly he's mad at her. Um, I mean, she had a broken leg. How did she get it? I didn't ask. Um, <laughs> now, the old Irish walking down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they like. It, they they were just sitting in their car, and then at one point he got up and like got another slice of cake. Like after this twenty Wait, minute, they thing. went back into the party. They from came the back car in and then back from the car. This is fucking uncharted in. territory. This is insane. It's strange. Well, maybe that's what they were doing in the car. He was just like, hmm, I really hankering for another slice of cake just Can like I go back in. The, yeah, going over the process. Should we walk back in? Should I get another slice of cake? And then he went and got the cake and, and then and then he got all the way back to his car. It's just like, 
Oh, but those carrot cake bars were good too. Like he's he's doing this this old person thing where you have to like announce like every dumb thought that comes into your and then he goes back and he gets the cake. And I'm just like, this is it. This is human evolution. This is where we're going. We're just gonna get to the point where once you've run out of people to say goodbye to, you're simply gonna just sit in your car and and <laughs> you're gonna vibe, start saying vibe. goodbye to foodstuffs. <laughs> 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 goodbye, Mr. Cake. <laughs> this is on him. That's a dangerous man you you encounter. You're lucky to get out of that with your life. It's um, no idea what he's stuff. capable of. Just a, a, a beautiful, beautiful spiritual experience. So, uh, yeah, just let the Irish know when you're over there, Jack. Just tell them we've taken it to the next level here in America. They need to catch up. Get get fucking used to it. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, also, Myros, you're here. That's great. That's awesome. Uh, I am. You're not going yeah. anywhere. That's good. You don't you don't do yeah. things. You don't go places. You should well, go somewhere, Myros. Where uh, would you is... go if you could right now? Mm, good icebreaker, uh, Jack. <laughs> Thank you. I'm trying to bring the banter level here, you know, keep things running, because we you know, do we want to talk about these movies? They're not very good. No, I mean, yeah, they're fine. They're fine. <laughs> they're okay, yeah. Are we going to fill, like, 60 to 90 minutes? No, it's it's not like saying goodbye to relatives. We got to... <laughs> Yeah, no, this is this the content. Our people are paying good money every month for this. For the, the where would Adam go? Yeah, I do Come like on, when, whenever whenever Colin edits an episode, he's always like, he'll jump in the the group chat. Is just like twelve minutes because that's how long it takes us to actually start talking about whatever the episode's about or whatever. It's like, oh, great! Job. It took you twenty seven minutes this time to talk about the fucking movie. We we can break it. We could let's go to the car. Let's yeah, let's go to the car. You guys want to just do a little sit? Just a little sit. Some cake. <laughs> I think we good. Mm, cake. Yeah, would be... I, I don't know. Asking asking where one would go. There, there's a lot of factors to, at play there. Well, let's I, say in, in this hypothetical, do I have like uh, a, an unlimited budget? Yeah. Or yeah, am just, I living in my current? You want <laughs> say, what if no. you've got like a like a midsize Nissan SUV? You got a slice of cake. <laughs> the car's running. You're sitting there. You got all the time in the world. Where are you going? Well, this now posits I'm landlocked, which, uh, th that being the case, I'm probably gonna, I'm probably just gonna go visit Steve in Milwaukee or something. That's right? a great that choice. Thank you. Thing. You know what? And that's what friendship's all about, folks, because he could choose to go anywhere. I mean, well, within the continental United States. And, uh, he, he's, he's chosen me. And thank you so much. I appreciate that. Well, yeah, uh, to be fair, uh, the, the other friend of mine who I would visit is currently in Europe and, uh, also, yeah, the the reason I don't do that is because who the fuck has the money for such things? And I feel like if I drove Opulence. my car in Milwaukee, it would uh, melt. Probably so, would. Uh, yeah. So you you would never visit me in Chicago, is what? No, what he would actually. Here. It's great because in order for him to Sad. visit me, he would have to drive past, like literally right past where you right. live, to just yes, get to me. It's that's well thank you adam this uh, well, you know honestly this was a bad idea this icebreaker and i'm now yeah. just down for the whole episode i don't know he really well, gassed me up two minds. <laughs> so there's a strong possibility that i'm living in chicago in like two years and uh but but conversely i'm also terrified of chicago it's it's a bit much for me so what are you terrified of chicago for it's just i'm not a big city person i'm, I'm not like terrified of the crime in chicago it's just <laughs> It's, it's just, just a lot of people. Listen, I've been it's watching Hannity. I know about the gun violence. <laughs> oh, God. We're going to yeah, we're we're buy yeah. Adam a gun before he moves to Chicago. Yeah, we should totally buy you a gun. 
new Patreon just, uh, subscribers <laughs> you can buy Adam a gun. Uh, and, uh, please do not. Uh, no, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fucking cash out our Patreon tomorrow and just buy you a gun. <laughs> uh, yeah, then we could like. You'll have an announcement in three months. Oh no, Myros isn't on the show anymore. He blew his fucking head off. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's not that I'm scared of Chicago in particular. I'm just I, I, having lived in a big city. It, it, it's really not my speed. I tend to get uh, pretty good anxiety going. It's just it's a crowded place. Everything is. What, huge. what, what do you reckon is the biggest city you could live in without that kind of a, an anxiety? Like Louisville is like a million people. Is that like still too big? Or I mean, and their downtown is fucking empty outside yeah. of working hours. Yeah, I think there's a there's a very big difference between various uh, million person cities. I think Seattle's probably right around there, and it was it was a bit much for me. But that being said, like what Bakersfield is probably pushing half a million, and it feels smaller than any city I've ever lived yeah. in in my life. So uh, that gives you anxiety for entirely different reasons. But uh, you know, because mm -hmm. you might run into like corn at any any hour of the day. Uh, uh, there's yeah, no corn, just true. dirt, tumbleweeds. Well, no, but like the corn with a K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, corn, yeah, corn with a K for sure. The corn. No, yeah, they got yeah. they got the the corn. There's like a corn memorial thing. Oh, it's not a. They're not dead. Uh, I mean, like in terms <laughs> they're, of relevance, they're maybe. Shockingly, I don't think almost... any of them are dead. <laughs> no, no, but they, but yeah, if you go outside the the Bakersfield Rabobank Arena, which is uh, where they, I don't know, there's probably like minor league hockey there. I think I saw Morrissey there like 12 years ago. Anyways, yeah, there's a there's a big fucking like black slab of marble. Like it looks like the Vietnam War Memorial, but it's got corn on it. That so. that is an incredible show. I kind of want to travel to see that. <laughs> Let's think That's about that an visual. Insane it's, thing to exist. It's pretty cool. Uh, Bakersfield gives you the anxiety of like pure existential dread when you're like driving for several miles down a road and you pass like 17 Applebee's and you're like, wait, am I stuck in some sort of loop? What does my life become? And yeah, that, that's that sounds, that sounds a lot like Dixie Highway in Kentucky, like in Louisville. It's the same principle, just and it's like this traffic lights. It's just a big road that just runs forever and there's every chain store imaginable over and over again. Yep, that's Bakersfield, pretty much, and also Beautiful. oil, a lot of and, oil. Uh, yeah, roughnecks. So it's it's just that's uh, a terrible place. Yeah, you, but you, it's not it's not too big. No, the only thing big in Bakersfield is the lifted trucks they got there. The temperature. And every time I look at a truck, I'm like, fuck, I wish that was taller. You know, so I get it. I, I understand why <laughs> these guys do that stuff. It makes a lot of sense. I'm always worried about a lot of those trucks that if they were to hit a child, the child might survive. Yeah, and you know, so I'm glad that you know American engineering is really taking that one to heart, and they're like solving every day we get close to the perfect child killing machine. Yeah, yeah, because it's like, oh, you hit the child center mass; their arms were out to kind of like dampen that hit a little bit, so they're you know they're hurt, but they're gonna be okay eventually. But I want something where it's just like the bottom of the truck just lines up with the top of the kid's head and just straight scalps him when when it hits him. <laughs> It's a beautiful dream. That's you know, yeah. we can get there as a nation. That's right. That's right. We just it's you know bring they should bring back hands across America, but just to promote lifted trucks to kill children. See, <laughs> I feel like lifted trucks would save children. It, it it makes a reality out of that sort of like childish notion that you probably get from watching a movie like one of these two, 
where if you're like uh like a semi is bearing down on you you just fucking like lie flat and tuck under the thing you could yeah. probably get away with that with a big old lift kit you, yeah, you might I'm actually not. survive I, I mean, I, I guess that's possible. We're going to have to really think about this. I, there's got to be a more effective way to, to hurt kids in car accidents. Like, you know, I mean, we, have, we, we do have the, the whole gun thing. I mean, that's oh, working yeah. pretty well, let's, well let's right now. Let's go back to that. So, uh, guys, uh, after this episode drops Patreon poll, what, what gun should we buy? We're, we're getting one. What are we going to get? <laughs> Adam, what, are, you, are you interested in hunting or hunting the most dangerous game? Which is... Uh, <laughs> Well, you... may, I better get a long one so it's harder for me to blow my head off. Oh, <laughs> that's that's fair. Can we just like, can we get you like a ghost gun? Like, we'll like three D print you like an elephant gun or something, like an old timey. <laughs> I might just get the Shinzo Abe model, that oh, just yeah. like duct taped shotgun thing. That's... that's fucking crazy. Like, what? You just like duct taped like a fucking pipe, like it's it's Fallout Three or something. That's insane. Yeah, it's incredible that like Japan is like two shootings a year and one of them is a major politician and meanwhile in america all our politicians are fine yeah they're all alive that's so stupid what the fuck is going on absolutely dumb well we had a pretty good run it feels like yeah, most right. of like the 20th century it's like every other president was shot at some point <laughs> yeah but they kept yeah you know i mean hinkley's out now so that's like I mean, you could buy him a drink i suppose yeah but... he's he's looking for a keyboard player for his band by the way if you know oh, anyone <laughs> Something to keep anyway, back to mind. Reagan and the Cold War. Is yeah. this, is, oh, is, should we, we find an opening? Yeah, yeah. we just did. Open it up, baby. So, uh, yeah, welcome to the the Podney Cole cast. Why are we? Why? Why did we watch two Dabney Coleman movies? You I, did this, Steve. This was your suggestion. I didn't you know like, this Cold... was going to happen. Why did we watch you Hot like... to Trot? <laughs> <laughs> You're like Cold War Kids podcast, and it has a Dabney Coleman double bill, which yeah, is really what, unbelievable. really what the people are tuning in for. Everyone loves yeah. Dabney Coleman, and and this is and again, he's, he's you know, second build in both of these, which is weird, especially in war games. I'm like, why the fuck? was Dabney Coleman that big of a star that he needed to be second build in this? Oh, he's in it for like he's a 10 huge fucking star. Minutes. I love Dabney Coleman because he is well, he's a, he's a lost breed of actor. So uh, another guy from the same generation, Wilford Brimley. Just guys that have always been 50, like just yes. at least at their youngest. Because holy shit, Wilford Brimley, do you know how old he was when they made uh, uh, the thing? He was like 42 or some shit. <laughs> it's insane. I've never seen an older looking person. And then, yeah, I mean, Dabney Coleman, same thing. How old is Dabney Coleman at any given point? I don't know. And the answer is always, I don't know, 50, 70, 90. How, uh, I believe he is 90 say? this year. He is 90. Yeah. Motherfucker's still acting. He was in that show Yellowstone that I don't watch but get served ads for constantly. So, and and now that I've said it out loud, I'm probably going to get an ad now. And uh, it's <laughs> this is horrible. It's all, it's all going downhill. But yeah, Dabney Coleman, alive. Who knew it? Not me. I didn't, I didn't think that was true, but he's alive. And he made a couple of Cold War children's movies. A very, yeah, I think very we could all agree thing. he's the the breakout star of War Games. Truly, Dabney Coleman. Truly, War Games. God, I really liked this movie when I was a kid. Uh, and I guess in in the 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 ecosystem of uh, you know Cold War scare films for children, it's pretty tame. And I find it odd that it was such like a, a shocking thing culturally. And I guess we, you know, this is the height of the cold war and everything, but uh, when it, when it was released in 83, uh, but that being said, like 
it's it's weird how just just soft the whole thing is and this this movie spawned like actual hacking laws because politicians were afraid that war games was just going to happen like they <laughs> they they thought That's that you know a, a Matthew Broderick could could jump in and the one thing that I did enjoy about it watching it now as an adult is it's so funny how how much of this anxiety has persisted pretty much you know like I, the way that it treats technology and the, and the way these people treat technology is essentially like oh well humans have emotions and make mistakes therefore the solution the only solution is we have to switch everything completely over to machines that's always and and, and that has not changed at all like that and and all of the anxiety uh that that comes about with technology that's it's still there so basically war games caused a bunch of politicians to shit their pants in 1983 uh absolutely nothing has changed <laughs> that's it wait war games i i'm sorry i'm just looking at this now war games was nominated for three oscars three oscars, three oscars. The fuck. <laughs> well, and, and then some of them you're like okay like it was like sound design and you're like, right, yeah, yeah that sure, i can sure, get sure. with yeah, i like that, that good yeah. i like that good uh simulation oh my sound where it's like boom boom yeah or boom. the uh the voice of the computer talking which is a fun little thing oh, to yeah. add too like that really smart filmmaking to kind of give the computer a little bit of personality because uh that's a big part of this too is you know the computer is cold and calculated but they they try to they try to give it a little a little flair a little flavor and a big part of that personality comes out in the robotic you know would you like to play a game voice uh but yeah what what are the other oscars it was nominated for uh, screenplay and no. cinematography okay come on so that's <laughs> you oh. did you did you look at who did the fucking cinematography though i did not oh no. take a take a little gander at that my friend uh, let's see here. Yeah, oh, guess. this is the best part of the, everybody loves the part of the podcast where we just read you stuff off of IMDb. Like, <laughs> fuck, I could have done that. We do our, oh, yeah, William keep our, yeah, we keep our research fresh by doing it in the middle of the broadcast. That's, uh, yeah, that's yeah. the promise. No, it's never been fresher here. <laughs> Up to the minute, literally. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, that's wild. Uh, particularly the screenplay, because the screen, like my complaint about this movie is that basically it's got a couple of great ideas and it runs really well for about 45 minutes. And then the film is another hour long after that. Yeah. Uh, so screenplay Oscar is uh, maybe a bit of a stretch for me. It's kind of cool because sure. the moment that they run out of ideas, their solution is what if Matthew Broderick just ran around? And that's that's what he does. Sure, for an hour. <laughs> well, that might that might be a recurring problem with movies we're watching. It's, it's bad. One one of my like main takeaways from this is that at one point he's just like, and actually this is in the the early part of the movie where he's just like he's uh, abducted by the the government outside of a like wonderful wood clad Seven Eleven. That's just such a great period <laughs> detail. That's honestly, I, like, a week from now, that's probably the thing I'm going to remember most about this movie is just wood-finished 7-Eleven. Mm -hmm. we, we have to go back. Yeah. Um, uh, that, fair enough, fair enough. But the, the writing is hit and miss. I think it, it's kind of sure. clever. They, they obviously had an idea. I feel like in the finale, like, it, it's kind of hard to, like, I, I'm not sure how they get to where they're going. <laughs> With the whole tic-tac-toe business, which everyone... There's who, uh, numerous yeah. leaps of, of logic here. I think it's really funny. I mean, like, I always come back to, you know, I feel like there's two types of people in the world. Uh, reductively, you know, you kind of have the people who would go to the Office UK 
and the people who go to the Office US. And it's like, I feel it's like the divisions and how people perceive the world. The Office UK is actually kind of like mean and cruel and depressing. And the Office US is like, thinks it's mean and cruel and depressing, but actually it's much, much worse than that. It's it's an incredibly cruel uh, kind of like, uh, what we say, tool of the ruling class to make sure that the rules just uh, sit down and shut up. It's it's an awful, terrible thing. I feel like this this division serves itself here too. You have like war games and you compare that to what the UK was showing people, like Threads, for example. And, mm. and it's this... You know, it's it's a division between a movie uh, where where we teach a computer and it's like running through all these permutations and it suddenly realizes, look, mutually assured destruction. There's no way to win. We must we must embrace something else versus threads, which is like, yeah, we're all going to die. And the people who survive are going to like lose basic language. It won't even matter in the wasteland. <laughs> and that's and that's, you know, those are your two choices. I mean, Hollywood could never make threads like it. No, would just, it, no, it would never do that. It would be irresponsible. Well, and the idea that, that 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 a computer would be designed by or for the U.S. government to run simulations of uh, World War Three nuclear destruction uh, and then not just like like the like the the realization at the end where the computer's like oh mutually assured destruction is bad and and we can't destroy the world it's like no we absolutely would absolutely yeah. would in a fucking no, heartbeat 100% i want uh I, the version of war games i really want which obviously would completely derail everything they actually set out to do and they wanted to do cuz i mean this is supposed to be a film that inspires some kind of moral optimism in young folk mm -hmm. which is obviously i'm way past that fuck that shit so what i wanted was a movie where the computer runs all the parameters uh and everyone in the room is like please don't solve this you know fail realize this is futile and then the computer pops up and is like oh wait actually uh, i found uh, a solution and the u.s can win the cold war and it's just uh like half the people in the room, the teenagers being like, oh no. And the other half of general is like, well, we got the president on the phone. Let's fucking do this shit. This is amazing. And that that would be an incredible movie. They should make like a, a fan edit of war games that actually mm -hmm. just involves, you know, just taking them out because they would do it. I mean, it's, it's, it's the problem with these movies, both of these movies in a way is that they kind of like, they're all about, you know, kids messing in adult games, you know, and, and like the allying of, you know, the the game perspective, you know, that war and espionage and stuff are really, you know, they're kind of games with their own rules. But even though, you know, the adult version is very, quote unquote, serious, but it's still it's still, you know, kind of like its own little game. Mm -hmm. um, oh, sure. Well, I mean, and, and that's that's the great thing about this, too, is like, OK, so, um, yeah, maybe. <laughs> they they present this this whole thing this whole like oh you can like literally you know destroy the world completely nuke it into oblivion with this cute little computer game that matthew broderick thinks is an actual game when in fact he's the game that he's playing is you know he's right. raising which the defcon level which but, is a great part of the early game where they cut between that and them drinking coke at home oh you know, yeah watching it unfold like there, there's great like, stuff in this oh, movie we should early scramble on the submarines and then like you know <laughs> here at norad they're just freaking out no it's fantastic but now it's like what what do what does the u.s army actually do and the answer is uh they uh, they basically play video games they fucking sit and and they have their little fucking drone strikes where sure, it's just yeah. on a computer screen and that's that's all you're doing it's just like you're, you're kind of like it's so disconnected from the actual like death and destruction uh, that that you're you're causing essentially. Yeah, there, there's there's a, a fair amount of forward looking 
elements within this in terms of how frankly all the stuff the the positivism of war games never came to pass the it was very cynically commandeered and yeah we've turned war into an actual game and it's very easy you sit in a fucking prefab building in arizona and you murder a bunch of people in afghanistan and then you drive home to your family at 5 30 yeah and hi that's, Han, and honey how go. was work oh it was great i just bombed a school bus in yemen <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's incredible. Um, but, you know, it, it, it is uh, going back to like my previous point. It's like I feel that both these films have this this awkward tension in that they're about kids kind of entering into the world of adult games. But then the kids are also too smart and too resourceful amidst incompetent adults. And it kind of makes you wonder what exactly they're pushing for. You know, it, it's like. War Games places an enormous amount of trust with the adult population in terms of like, yes, they have the mutually assured destruction stuff all set up, but you know, they're still like, they're all moral actors. They're all like trying to do the best they can. They don't quite understand what's happening. And this, this kid is like injecting a little bit of chaos, but then ultimately also a humanity into it. Um, mm. You know, it's just sort of like, I, I don't know. I mean, these are kids' movies. I guess fundamentally that's what it comes back down to is that we watch two chill movies that are literally for children. And if you start digging a little bit too much in them, they're not really they're not really going to inspire you that much if you aren't a child. I'm not sure they even will if you are a child now. I'm pretty yeah. sure children watching now will be, why in the fuck is Matthew Broderick uh, using a phone to do any of this? In fact, what even is that? It's a handheld <laughs> phone. It's like a receiver. None of it would make any sense. Like, what is this ginormous plastic rectangle he just stuck in a slot? Like, what the fuck is that about? So yeah, probably um, the time and place for, for war games has probably uh, been and gone at this mm -hmm. point. Plus, we don't have the USSR anymore, but I guess Russia is still the big bad guys because uh, it was, I mean, Jesus Christ, in, in, in all the optimism of, of, of war games, like the USSR fucking collapsed in the 1990s. And rather than decommission all the infrastructure of weaponry pointed at USSR, they just kept it and just kept building up Russia as the same thing. And now we have more war. So yeah. really hugely inspiring, frankly, it this truly movie. Is. Truly is. It uh, is, uh, it's like, again, this movie, I, I don't think it really <laughs> nails the landing because I can't really make sense of why anything happens the way it does in the finale where it's like, hey, how about we switch the thing over to chess? It's like, no. It's like, but how about tic-tac-toe? It's like, sure. I'm like, oh, why? <laughs> why, is, why is it cool with doing yeah. that? Um, this, yeah, this I, computer's I fucking dumb. That's like what a four-year-old would say. I mean, say. it's it's classic, <laughs> like it's classic kids' cartoon, like reverse the polarity thing. You know, it's like he doesn't want to play one game, but he'll happily indulge in the other one. You know, it's it's yeah. it doesn't really uh, seem like something that would be in a you know an Oscar-winning <laughs> screenplay per se. But I mean that, but that's kind of the the thing of this. That it, it's just strange that this had such cultural cachet because the setup is legitimately excellent. Like the the whole op cold sure. open with this, like the, these two men undergoing this sort of test that, that that's a simulation of, of nuclear war is, is really tense and it really <laughs> sets the pace for something like this is, yeah, it's a very expertly crafted opening. I'd say 45 minutes or so. It's yeah. just that once, once we get to the point where they're just kind of wandering around NORAD and trying to elude people, it's like, well, you know what, we've, Here, we've lost the thread a bit. Here's the question. 
Fucking NORAD doesn't do tours, surely. I, like, I, I, throughout I, this whole I, movie, they yeah. just have fucking tour groups walking around getting headsets to look at the nuclear arsenal. Like, that never happened, surely. Maybe it did, and then, uh, you know, <laughs> Congress panicked after they saw war games and shut down the tours. Like, no way you could hang in there and just, like, stand in front of fucking buttons that were used to, like, send messages to missile bases in North Dakota. Like, no, I, I don't believe that. But it is funny, like, I mean, this, there is definitely an intelligence to this movie. There's even, I, I wrote down one line at one point where they say, you're not supposed to be running in here, someone could get hurt in the middle of, like, uh, NORAD. And it's, like, very clearly a Doctor Strange love riff. I mean, this is very clearly, it's the idea that this... You know, you can't be messing around in the huge arena we've built of computer simulations to look at nuclear war, you know? Um, but yeah, it's just, it has a difficulty following through on it because it has to maintain a certain degree of optimism uh, and, and child-friendliness. You know, you, you can't, like, wipe out Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. That would just be, you know... Can't imagine just a nuclear flash and just them being incinerated. It would be it would be very depressing. So um, instead, they had to go the other route and have yeah the, this wonderful message of like oh you know war is futile. There's nothing we could do. Although uh, who knows what happened after that? Like what does the what does the army do after they've been given this this news? You know they still got to keep the whole thing running. Do they tell the USSR? Do they share any of this with it? Probably not. Then they'll be like oh you've got computers working on this. We're I do, I do love computers. that Russia's basically like if it, the the good guy in this movie. It's Russia. <laughs> like they're just like, like <laughs> Russia should have nuked us. Like that should have been the, the fucking thing that happens here. It's like, oh, we're yeah. scrambling the jets. We're doing this. We're doing this. We're pointing missiles at that. Like what the fuck? Yeah, Russia should. <laughs> I mean, that's actually pretty accurate. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. the U.S. just all my, like all the things would like. Every other day, it's like, why should we, we should probably bomb Iran, they're doing stuff, and it's like, we keep trying to make deals with them, and then pulling out, and then saying they're the weird, like, they're the crazy bad guys. It's like, mm -hmm. we're looking a bit unstable here, guys, but also, anyhow. Guys, well, guys, it's historically I... accurate, Steve, the USSR was, in fact, the good guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I just, I just want to bring us back to a couple of things here, uh, some things. Some threads we've left dangling. Uh, Myros, I teased you with the you should look up who the the cinematographer thing is, and then I realized mm -hmm. we never said it's uh, it's William Fraker. He did Rosemary's Baby, Bullet, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Tombstone. Uh, also, to tie it back to last week's episode, he was the director of photography on Coonskin, which is a, a Ralph Baskey uh, animated film. So there you go. Uh, Ralph Bakshi not being the subject of last week's <laughs> no, episode. No, no, no. Uh, okay, and then public tours of NORAD. Turns out, yes, they used to do fucking public tours of NORAD. Now, we used to have a real country. Uh, classic post 9-11, after those dang towers fell, they tightened things up a little bit. Uh, they do some, like, like family, friends type, type like, mini tours. Uh, but for the most part, you, it's, you Who really can't do that. Who brings their fucking family to NORAD? Like, NORAD's the most depressing shit in the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And then, and then I'm looking at this and like, this is on TripAdvisor. Also, <laughs> okay. what kind of a fucking freak is leaving like, oh yeah, let me leave my review of the NORAD tour on TripAdvisor. Uh, mostly it's like boomers giving it five stars and they're like, oh, it was days gone by, but I've been there before. And then other people are like, oh, uh, 
someone gave it five stars and this is fucked up because it just says this is such a unique experience i'm not much of a history buff but i really enjoyed my visit we went with a small homeschool group like you're just a, some like you live in fucking utah and there's like you have like a weird homeschool pod that you and you just call up norad you're like hi we don't we don't go to school but we do can we just come to norad and they just let you in that doesn't make any fucking sense to me uh it's it's all strange but people are so close to getting it. like you go to nora and it's like hey well here's the futility of the arms race laid out in front of you and mm -hmm. billions of dollars of tax dollars wasted and and what you're supposed to come back it's like yeah no everyone was very friendly to me yeah it doesn't it doesn't make any sense it's just yeah <laughs> everyone was really nice i i like the big red button that could end life on earth it was really cool <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, shit. so War Games was incredibly, uh, incredibly um, influential. We got some new legislation passed against hackers, civilian hackers, but yeah. all the architecture remained firmly entrenched. Yeah. Don't we worry. learn nothing. Cool. We, we've only gotten better at that. So, yeah, we 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 kind of you know missed the forest and uh, for the tree or whatever that is, that saying is. Just not great. Not great. But hey, Dabby Coleman. We love him in war games. He yells a lot and runs around and uh, he doesn't take Matthew Broderick seriously until he does. And everything's great. The next year, fast forward, it's 1984. And less than a year later, we get, we get Dabney again in another cold war thriller for, for children. <laughs> Who fucking knew? <laughs> I, gotta say, I was loving him a little less than this one. I was like, how the fuck did they guess Dabney Coleman? as the father of this, like, fucking seven-year-old and also a super spy. I'm like, he's, he's, he should be a grandpa. To be fair. He's fucking to be, grandpa. To be fair, he's, yeah, he plays a widower in Cloak and Dagger, but I, I did not realize he was 50. And it's like, he looks like he could be, but like, he's a good 50. He's, a, he's always know. 50. Well, that's exactly it. No, but I figure it was like, you know, in the 80s, people just like looked different, you know? So like, he's probably like, he's like, 40 ish no it's like he's 50 something at this point you know and i was thinking and then i brought it up i was like well you know because adam was complaining about this and you know which now i realize it's pretty fair considering he was 50 but i was like my memories of the you know 80s early 90s like we had major dad that was a big sitcom hit and it was like a balding gray-haired guy with his family in the military which seems like honestly, like it must have been based off of this movie. I, I, there's a lot of a lot of overlap in the in the, the, the elements there, but uh, no. And it turns out that Major Dad was like a full decade younger than Dabney Coleman in this movie. So I guess none of this lines up. Dabney Coleman is just they just looked at him and it's like there's a strapping guy to play a a father and also a super secret agent imaginary friend. Exactly. Well, if you're doing like a James Bond riff, it's like. Uh, who's your first choice here? Fucking Dabney Coleman. Dab I, well, yeah, I mean, it's an, it's an awkward Dabney. thing because, yeah, it, it's, it's awkward because obviously they're trying to lean into that this kid, his, his dad's in the Air Force and he thinks his dad is like a hero. So he has these fantasies of a super secret agent. The super secret agent is actually his father. But of course, his father isn't really a superhero. He's just a guy in the Air Force like many guys are. Uh, you know, and there's that, and the whole movie moves on the, the tense disconnect of a kid growing, you know, growing mature enough to realize his father's limitations. But then also, it turns out his dad kind of is a superhero and saves the day, which makes Cloak of Dagger doesn't actually make an enormous amount of sense overall. 
Um, so that's, uh, but it is 10 minutes or so shorter than, than War Games. These are surprisingly lengthy movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I will say, I did not expect either of them to be as long as they were. But the one thing I will say for both of them is that they do remind me again, and I'm, I'm not an expert because I don't watch a lot of kids' movies now, but like certainly the PG 13 kind of like spot that everything is aimed at now. Mm-hmm. Like these movies are so much edgier than PG-13 movies. PG-13 movies are full of death and violence and people being killed everywhere, but no one, you know, and no one bleeds or whatever. But like they're full of like murder and slaughter. But they're the idea, there's none of like the awkward ideas and tensions and dramatic elements in these. Like these films feel way more yeah kind of like you know what would i say like jagged and kind of unformed and and less safe than contemporary quote-unquote like kids or young teenager movies Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's kind of depressing from that point like these movies which are still clearly very much designed for kids but they they do have i mean war games has like teenage matthew broderick but when we're talking about cloak and dagger which is far more violent like there's some fucked up sure. shit and there's there's like legit stakes in this movie it's it's but at the same time these are actual babies like it's it's the kid <laughs> from it's the kid from uh et, ET. it's henry yeah. thomas and right. uh who the, who's the little blonde girl too i don't um, the little blonde girl I, I don't recall her name but she survived twilight zone the movie so that's uh impressive good yeah for her. i mean I yeah, not yeah, all the kids did that no not, not everybody kind of did like one of her biggest credits like i think she's in that like spielberg like hokey old people segment mm-hmm. she's she was she was in things in the 80s she's familiar enough yeah. and the dabney coleman casting even bled into her character too because they needed to have like the vague sense of a potential romance between uh Dabney Coleman and this this other child's mother so she's also cast as like a 55 year old for no reason yeah and also why would anyone be horny for Dabney Coleman like I cannot I like the, the man has no sex appeal like I, which isn't you know I, sorry well that's Dabney. what you want out of your uh debonair super spy imaginary friend right mm-hmm. yeah uh zero fuckability but yeah I, <laughs> This is Cloak and Dagger is yeah, it's it's very interesting as a kid's movie. And it also fits because this is one where uh, I, I rented it as a kid and almost instantly it was turned off. And, and I was and the parents were like, no. And it's still like it, it was one of those things where it kind of gave me nightmares and, it, and it's kind of stuck in the back of my brain still. Another film that did this to me, E.T., First time I saw E.T., I was probably like four. And I still that when when E.T.'s like running through that fucking field or whatever, that's the scariest thing that's ever happened in the history of yeah, cinema. Do they, do they make movies like because because I mean, Cloak and Dagger is literally a feature film of a bunch of like straight up adults telling a child they are going to murder him. Yeah, it's like the whole movie do, or they, killing other really people done that much. <laughs> Or, yeah, or, like, yeah, they hold, they literally, like, at one point, they have this little tiny girl who's even younger than the main character, and like, we are going to break her in half if you don't do what we tell you to. Uh, not, this is not what happens, generally. It's worth knowing Cloaking Dagger's written, it's one of the early uh, writing credits for Tom Holland, who, of course, would go on to do, like, Fright Night and various other things, and, uh, so, so I guess, kind of that edginess there, I suppose, you know, um, that, kind of savvy cloak and dagger is i i didn't dislike it i think adam you you certainly had more aversion to it than i did but um yeah it's boring it, it just kind of it, <laughs> yeah it's not 
it's not tremendously interesting, certainly. I feel like if you were a kid in the 80s, certainly this could be a formative experience. It kind of, like, gives you a little more than a lot of other films of that era might, or just generally kid. Like, it feels like definitely it's, like, pushing against what a kid's movie should probably openly talk about and show. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I am way too old to uh, find that... Uh, particularly stunning now i mean now i just think it's funny i'm thinking like kiki's delivery service you know had a, a key scene where where the child you know gains maturity and her cat stops talking you know and it's like and there's an understanding she's she's now so mature you know she doesn't need the cat as the friend anymore whereas cloak and dagger has a scene where the child gains maturity by having his imaginary friend just strafed with a machine gun fire and then dying in the next scene like oh blood. my god it is like bullet hole that's something sure yeah. but i mean to me that's just kind of funny because i'm i'm not a child so you know <laughs> and it's it's also interesting because walks right up to this line where when we have the big revelation where he you, yeah he, he grows up and uh it kills his his imaginary friend dies and his father becomes his hero who's also dabney coleman uh i, I thought it was going to do something real fucking cool because basically it, it, the entire thing with his imaginary friend is he's telling him as a super spy he's like okay well you got to do this Remember when when we were when we were playing this game and you did this thing and and you know make sure you do this spy thing and so he's he's helping him he's just kind of like you know ushering him along and helping him do all this uh, you know spy craft business and then it gets to a point where uh, the Henry Thomas character he's trying to save the little girl who has a, a bomb inside of her walkie-talkie that she carries around with her. They put a bomb in it and she's going to fucking explode in like 20 minutes. So he's rushing to save her. And Dabney Coleman, imaginary friend, super James Bond spy guy is like, whoa, 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 whoa. You got to kill these motherfuckers first. This, these guys that are chasing you. He basically stops and does try. He's like, you, you can't you can't just go and help her. You have to you have to kill these men. You have to kill them. You have to get one to shoot the other on accident and you need to pick up a gun and you need to physically kill a man, which is not An something he's done. An insane scene. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. And, and then this is the point where he, he, the kid has this realization where he's like, I mean, that's fucked up. And, and, and this, and the spy guy, uh, agent X or whatever is, is just like pushing and pushing and pushing him to do this. And you're like, holy shit, is, is this going to be where he has this breaking point? And the answer is not really. It just gets weird because instead of going there and, and really grappling with this shit, uh, basically, for some reason, one of he, he ends up he does kill a guy. <laughs> and then yeah, yeah. for some yeah. reason, it, it, the other guy with a machine gun can suddenly see secret agent Dabney Coleman even though he's an imaginary friend. So we got some like, uh, what's, what's that one? Bogus. It's like bogus. And <laughs> I don't, I don't know if d d that's a, a, a weird scene. Like I, I didn't interpret that he could actually see him. I just thought that he saw the kids reactions to something over the side. The kid yeah. was reacting and he just like, he just, he just starts shooting because he thinks yeah. something else is happening. It's kind of ambiguous. But yeah. It's, sure. it's a little bit weird. So we, we don't know if it's a Whoopi Goldberg bogus situation or if, if he just like <laughs> shoots over there. Cause the kid looks over there. I don't know, but it's weird. And then the, the, his imaginary friend literally bleeds out and dies, which is crazy. 
But then when the dad steps in, like you said, Jack, it's just like, well, it, it kind of, I don't know. It just, it just undercuts everything. It doesn't go as hard as it could. And as a movie that for really it's designed for eight year olds, but it goes fucking hard. You watch a guy yes. get shot and he's like bleeding from his chest. And then he falls over like a staircase banister and you watch him drop like 10 stories and splat on the ground. And th this is basically the opening 20 minutes of the movie. That, this, I, is yeah, the, this is the point <laughs> where Mama Cuff turned off the VCR. There's an incredible scene in it too, where where they where they show up and their their computer friend, played by Bill Forsyth, and and uh, he's been murdered. Yeah, weird. And he's murdered by this agent, and it's just a little girl bawling her eyes out, crying, and he's like, "What's up?" And then they just cut to like a computer monitor with a single bullet hole in it, and that's like how she she came to find this and realized that her friend has been murdered. And yeah. It's like this violence amidst childhood is uh, like it, there's something really striking and coarse to this film, but yeah, it just it has to rein it all back in in the last you know half hour. The Newmont really just it, it it can't go all the way which is a shame because it but then it would be it would be a kids movie that's not actually for kids exactly and, I think just and that's the problem it. this is kind of what not it is. a kids movie this yeah, is not I, a kids movie until the very last like 10 minutes and then it suddenly right. becomes one like the thing is it's like his imaginary friend is like the fucking imaginary friend that, that like a fucking psychopath would have he's he's never like leading him <laughs> on spy true. adventures he's just like trust no one Pick up the gun. It's like what? It is what? true. He is he's very much seems like a product of like a day deranged psyche. So yeah, it it's and again, that is not that's not like frankly, this is a movie that teaches us that the child had a major learning experience by shooting a man, by killing him, and then gazing at his corpse floating in, in the river. Yeah, I heard you can learn a lot from shooting someone, which is why we'd like everyone who's a Patreon subscriber to vote. What kind of gun should we get? For for Adam. <laughs> To, to, clarify. to clarify, Steve yeah, and I, we don't, it. we don't need one. No, no but Adam don't. certainly. I mean, I think Adam Pack and Heat could definitely add a dimension to the whole, the whole show dynamic. Oh Lord, um, I got, I got, I got two guns already. My, my left arm and my right arm, so I don't need another one. So anyway, this movie. <laughs> the, the problem with this movie is that it's just. A fucking nothing like the kid is just Henry Thomas like walking around like San Antonio that's like 90% of the run oh, this, this is a like, really good tour of San Antonio I was just in San Antonio <laughs> like two years ago and I was like shit this is great like you get the say, river walk and everything it's fantastic yeah no I like like I was talking about it one of the things in it like the the saving grace thing for a lot of these like not quite remarkable eighties movies is that they are really cool time capsules when they move on location. Like this is one of the things I think about like Marvel movies. Like forty years from now, the MCU will not have this because they were all shot in a fucking empty warehouse. But um, yeah, like like a real standout as like the woodclad Seven Eleven in War Games is like there's some really cool like on location footage here. I've never been to San Antonio, but like it was really interesting seeing. There, there are malls and the buildings, the downtown, the river walk, all that stuff. And that was all, you know, shot in place. That's kind of a cool secondary facet of a lot of filmmaking. You know, it's, it's you know, a time capsule. It's kind of a vision of a place. And that's being lost in a, even more and more contemporary cinema. And I mean, I know they mess it up sometimes. Like, you can't trust the geography of a movie, obviously. But it's kind of cool. I thought that was... 
kind of a nice element of it but i i ultimately agree with adam that like there's there's just not really for all the stakes in this movie there isn't really that much to tie it together if yeah. you're looking at it with an adult perspective it just doesn't nail like making any of that feel tense it's just like two doofuses out like walking behind this kid as he walks through the city and it's supposed to be a, a really tense sequence of events and it never is it's just like okay let's fucking move on i don't know then when then we just end up at the alamo and i'm like boy we could have just watched like peewee's big adventure there there's a good alamo scene <laughs> it's my favorite alamo movie <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of enjoyed it, especially when, when they go down to the river walk and they're on the river tour and the guys are trying to get closer to the kid on the river tour boat and, and try and grab him. And there's this elderly couple that kind of helps him out and intervenes, but we learn more about them later. And it turns out that they were bad guys all along. And there, there's elements here that really work, but also it, to your point, And I think where the movie drags is there's so much like even before the child actually commits murder it feels like they're just running after him forever and it's not going anywhere um yes which is it's which is difficult great. it's a difficult rhythm between like killer bad guys who also just can't deal with a small kid it, it's kind of like at a certain yeah. point you're like you've just you've got a gun and you don't care like just you 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 would deal with him also, so, there's this whole thing of like, why do they give a fuck about this kid? Once they have their thing and they'll and their plan to exit the country, like just fucking forget about the fucking kid. No one even that, believes this also, kid. Why? Why do they put the plans for a stealth bomber in a video game and you have to play through the entire fucking video game to get at them? Who Especially did that? when why? it's like fucking the people who are receiving said video game are like 85 years old. What are they gonna <laughs> fucking get a high score out of an Atari game? Well, and it's, and it's like a it's it's not even a 2600. It's like a fucking Atari 5200, which no one owned, uh, which that's also great, too, because, you know, this is like peak Atari completely eating shit pre Nintendo. So it, it basically posits that p humans are interested in the Atari 5200, of which no one was anywhere at any point. Imagine uh, an, an elderly person trying to use an Atari 5200 controller with three fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's, yeah, just a 75-year-old woman with three fingers just trying to fucking crab claw her way through a, a difficult video game. I, not not possible. Not possible. Uh, the game, though, is, is kind of interesting because this is, it, it, it occupies a weird space because it's a video game movie, heavy finger quotes, but they, does, they, they wrote the movie and, and when the movie was being produced, they went to Atari and they're like, we, we need a video game for this. So can you make us a video game? And what they ended up doing, the game that they came up with this, uh, you know, cloak and dagger in the game, uh, they were already, Atari was already working on a game called agent X. And that's what ultimately became cloak and dagger. But that is fucking weird because it's shown as a 5,200 game here. Never came out on the 5,200 cause Atari ate shit. Uh, but it was an arcade game, and it's also like one of the only games Atari's ever produced where they didn't actually make cabinets for the game. It was a fucking conversion kit. So if you had, if you're an arcade that had an old like Defender machine from four years ago or something, you would buy this kit from Atari, and it's the cloak and dagger kit. They give you different decals for 
the um uh the, like the outside and then there's a board you put in the back and then it just it just goes so it's super bizarre but yeah there was you could conceivably have seen an actual cloak and dagger machine in an apparently arcade it's a conversion point. kit for robotron huh. mm. yeah there you go uh, I've never heard of any of these games. So, yeah, uh, it's it's weird. <laughs> it's I mean, it's every Atari arcade game from that era. Like it's you're a guy you walk around. It basically is Robotron. Like you you can shoot in cardinal directions, and then the only difference is is you have to like pick up a briefcase, and then you get in a little elevator and go up. That's it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's just odd that I don't know. Like normally, it, when you think of a video game movie, you think okay, well the movie is based on the video game but here it's like the game that actually came out was the game that was in the movie that they played which is a it's a kind of a cool way to tie it in uh and i don't know how wildly popular cloak and dagger was uh not not popular not, enough to be <laughs> not popular enough to be nominated for three oscars i can tell you that much I have um, never heard of this, and I, as as a kid who was like plugged into a VCR for like the first ten years of their life, I've never heard of this fucking movie. So you call uh, yourself a Dabney Coleman fan? Yeah, you know Dabhead. <laughs> well, I am a big Forsyth fan, and Jesus, I, I feel like we we brushed over. That oh, yeah, what like, a cool what character! The fuck is He's this just a guy in his thirties who hangs out with a couple of eight year olds. <laughs> it's like the least William Forsyth character i've ever fucking seen like you would never like if you saw this movie you would never be like oh william force <laughs> it's like he's got like a fucking terrible wig and like a patchy beard and coke bottle glasses i'm like what william force <laughs> what has happened oh yeah it's he looks bizarre the character i i don't get uh at, at forsyth again incredible actor because you play this any other way than he plays it, and you get real big child molester vibes instantly. And you're already getting him just based on how he looks. Oh, um, yeah. But, and, his, and his behavior is, he, he's like Richard Dreyfus, like, after he has the fucking close encounter, like, building mashed potato mounds and shit. Like, just acting really weird. Really, really he's, weird. He's got, like, he looks like a character like T.J. Miller would play in a modern movie, and he would be the fucking mm -hmm. telling... 50 jokes a minute and you'd want to fucking strangle him with piano wire but at least it's subdued here but i don't like when it's introduced again dabney coleman strange strange presence of this film like wouldn't you assume he was just like henry thomas's father like oh yeah he's he's just got him at work and he's like hey go get me a, a twinkie and an advertisement or something i'm like oh this must be his dad it's like no he's the weird <laughs> Or his brother, or his DC computer restore man. Yeah, I, I, that's the thing. It's like I, I kept waiting for some sort of like family connection. But it's just like, no, he's our friend. I, I don't know. I mean, as as a guy who's probably like the, the age of Forsyth's character, I cannot picture me. Like, have you ever talked to an eight year old? They're fucking stupid. Why would you want to be friends with what? They're this horrible. Certainly, it, it, this, this is excellent screenwriting because it really it feeds into the concept that you know uh the boy's mother recently died and the father is struggling to you know kind of steady the family again so it makes sense the kid just went off and he's just hanging out with a 30 something year old loser I'd in the be, back room of his shop all day yeah. christ dabney coleman i mean there are latchkey kids and there are latchkey kids like these <laughs> oh. are proper fucking tiny children and dabney coleman's like You'll be fine on your own today, son. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm working a double shift on the base, so uh, 
Yeah, let's fucking figure it out. And these like, kids are just like riding the bus and shit when they're eight around San Antonio. As a latchkey child, the, these kids are babysitter age, man. You gotta fucking spring for a babysitter. <laughs> what's what's the mom doing? I would like the little girl's mom. I like she's awesome. just living next door, but she's fine. It's like go over there. She probably just thinks that the dad's taking care of them, so you know, so it's a whole thing. <sighs> I don't know. Dead, deadbeat parents everywhere in this movie. Uh, and then, well, and same with War Games, too. You want to talk about some weird parents. Like, oh, uh, Matthew Broderick's mom is some psychotic real estate agent. Yeah, she's a realtor of some type. Serves uncooked corn on the cob. And then, yep. uh, what, what is the dad? What, what does he do? What is I don't fucking know. He's just like an affable oaf. He's just yeah. like the, you know, like he doesn't like, and the point is they don't know any, it, I mean they're basically the Ferris Bueller parents, right? Because mm -hmm. like, they just bought, they've bought their son like fucking $80,000 worth of cutting edge computer equipment to keep in his, his bedroom to, yeah, and an open or, phone Or maybe line. he stole it, but. <laughs> or he stole maybe, yeah, I don't yeah, know, and he's just like true. hacking. It's one of the weird things in war games honestly, and it's kind of carried over in Cloak and Dagger, it's like all the computer nerds are all like sweaty, hairy pock-skinned guys you know they're like losers you know they're, they're i mean they're basically the simpson nerds characters uh but then in in war games you know matthew broderick is like the clean-cut all-american guy and and the kid in cloak and dagger is like relatively normal mm -hmm. you know it's 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 funny they just pull their you know computers are kind of mostly for nerds but hey it's also for matthew broderick yeah, and it got he's the eight-year-old. He's a total psycho because in Cloak and Dagger, it's like, oh, he plays Dungeons and Dragons spy version, which is pretty fucking nerdy, but then also thinks that his character is like a real person that he talks to. Uh, it's it's psychotic, uh, very strange. Also, I, man, I don't know. I kind of miss the days of, yeah, I think parents should be honest with themselves and be like, kids are dumb. I don't actually want to be around them. and just let their give give your kid a bus pass and don't come home from work just see what happens let them figure it out because <laughs> now true. i feel like all the parents i know are like deeply invested in their kids and like want to spend time with them and do things and i was like no i don't absolutely not no just how would the police just bring the police just bring the kid home it's like yeah so he just claimed there was a murder and he like called police to come out and everything it's just like just you know maybe don't let your kid wander around downtown san antonio yeah it's like why loose. was he there what <laughs> and then and then like it like can you imagine you're at work and an eight-year-old girl shows up and she's like hi i'd like a manual for this game it's a Where different time parents? yeah it's it's very strange also I, I i think i understand why i don't have children so that, that it's all starting to make sense now uh but yeah it turns out everyone in the 80s should not have had kids there you go powerful lesson that's what powerful we learned i lesson. mean ultimately it was the cold war scenario it was all about how many children would be willing to lose in our battle with russia yeah and and they were willing to go to the absolute limit because every single parent in the 1980s was actively trying to lose their kids just every step they took that's it we had vietnam prior to that which did a really good job of getting rid but uh yeah we kind of lost it after that the cold mm -hmm. war didn't well, they should have had a hot war yeah. A couple more. Yeah. I, I prefer mine hot. Well, boys, I guess we should wrap this up. So, uh, Jack, what are you putting over this week? I'm going to put over... Uh, I've not been watching many movies. I'm still trying to finish Elden Ring. That fucking game. It's <laughs> That's all huge. you do. I'm like, man, That's Jack has not been active on the Slack chat. It's because you fuck, you're fucking Elden Ringing. 
I know, it's uh, every time there's something new, but you know, I did watch one genuinely excellent movie recently. I'm, I'm going to push to get it on the podcast at some point because it's really, really good. Uh, Clear Cut, directed by Rizard Bogazki, maybe? I don't know, he's Polish, I believe, uh, but it's a Canadian movie from 1991. It's actually in the, uh, whatever, the, the folk horror set that Severin released recently, the All, Our ha- All the Haunts Be Ours, uh, but incredible movie it's basically about a a lawyer like a white lawyer who is defending an indigenous tribes kind of they have a a a case against a logging company and they lose the case the logging company move in and just start tearing up all the forest and the white guy is kind of like the lawyer is kind of like oh you know well it's sad but like we'll appeal it we can beat them you know i i hate it just as much as you guys and then one native american guy just fucking straight up just kidnaps him and the CEO of the logging company and just takes them out in the woods and terrifies them all the while kind of like goading to the lawyer it's kind of like so what are you gonna like are you on our side or not it's fantastic it's an incredible film about frankly the the impossible question of indigenous rights in a in a country that sprung up around them that has no interest in them or their beliefs or their interests that they're they they don't they're not a capitalist uh, you know kind of system so they exist fundamentally in contrarianism to to the everything around them uh, incredible movie so clear cut it's brilliant it's really really good um so yeah you should just watch it we should do a podcast on it uh, Steve it. Adam you you should watch it too everyone should just watch this fucking movie and then finish Elden Ring and then yeah. maybe we can watch some more movies I don't know. That sounds great. We should put, yeah, put, put that on the agenda, folks. We're, we're doing it. We're going to do clear cut. I don't know when, but we'll figure it out. Whenever you get back from the motherland, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of it. Myros, what are you putting over this week? Uh, I literally have watched <laughs> zero things outside of Elden Ring. How much Elden Ring have you played? I, I have my own Elden Ring. I, I've been playing Still Ghost of Tsushima, uh, which I just finished. So, you know. I'll maybe watch something next week, but I don't fucking know, man. I, I, I literally have watched only these two movies and I recommend neither of them particularly. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I got, you're putting I, over I, spending I, your time elsewhere. I, I would put over, uh, learning Spanish. I don't know. That's, that's about where my head's at right now. I'm, uh, between Ghost of Tsushima and learning Spanish, I, I've had zero bandwidth to watch anything else. Wow, this is this uh, is good for our audience. They're like, "Damn, I'm gonna I'm gonna download Duolingo now because I listened to this Optimism Vaccine episode." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, I have watched. I'm gonna put over the NBA Summer League. Watch that; it's it's a good time. You you check out the Pistons. They've got a a new guard, Jaden Ivey, uh, he, he's very exciting. It's, that's worth your time to watch. Just pop in uh, on ESPN, watch a little of that there, uh, uh, NBA Summer League, see some uh, fun young prospects, you know, get ahead of the discourse and mm. uh, really learn the game. Always good, always good. Plus there's the weird crossover between like film nerds and basketball nerds that I don't completely understand, but it exists, so... Yeah, rel- relevant. It's surprisingly conflict. vibrant demographic there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I well, don't get it. it makes sense to me because film is awesome and the NBA is awesome. That's all you need. 
Uh, all right. Well, I'm putting over a great movie. You, have you guys seen Dear Evan Hansen? <laughs> oh, Christ. I've seen it. I've seen clips of Holy Dear Evan Hansen. I've heard some podcasts about the thing. Uh, yeah, it's, oh, it delivers. I believe it it's like the Irishman, right? It's got the de-aging technology and an epic runtime. It's, well, yeah, it's like two and a half hours long. It's so, so long. But everything about it is, it, it, it's just wrong. And but it doesn't think it, it thinks it's something completely different from what it actually is. So if if you're familiar with the film uh, World's Greatest Dad, directed by Bobcat Goldthwait, that stars Robin Williams, it's it's fantastic. But it's a jet black comedy about a guy whose uh, son kills himself jacking off, and then his dad basically makes up a bunch of bullshit about how great his kid was, even though the kid was a piece of shit and they had a bad relationship. And then he uses that to kind of like invigorate his own career and catapult himself into fame. And Dear Evan Hansen is that, but they're like, yeah, what if that was like kind of good though? <laughs> like, <laughs> it, it, It's just, it's so fucking weird. And, and they just break into song at completely random intervals, but it just sounds like the background music that plays when you're inside of a Starbucks. It's not like real musical music. And then there's the whole uncanny Valley thing that's going on where it's supposed to be like a 16 year old high school student. And the, the guy playing the kid, he looks like he's 40, but then also they use the weird de-aging smoothing on him. So he's like this perfectly smooth skin, synthetic 40 year old man. It would be like if, yeah, if, if you just like ironed out all the wrinkles on Steve Buscemi and the Hello Fellow Kids meme and you're like, this is a, a, a person who is definitely a child. It, it's, it's deranged. I have never laughed so hard at something. I was fucking crying watching this movie. You're not making me, you're, you're, you're not doing a good job of dissuading me of watching this at some point. It's, and it's great too because I was, you don't even have to pay attention. Like do something else. You know, just get your Nintendo Switch out, play your video games, just throw this on in the background, fucking scroll through Twitter, whatever you want to do. Just you don't have to be fully engaged. I wouldn't recommend it's it's like two and a half hours long. Don't do that. But every single time you glance up, it'll be some fresh horror that is just the funniest shit you've ever fucking laid eyes on. Dear Evan Hansen, my God, put it on in the background. Ha throw a party. Throw a Dear Evan Hansen party. Just get a bunch of booze and snacks. Just let people mingle around. Just put Dear Evan Hansen on every television. It'd be great. This is how you need to spend your week. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so enough about <laughs> the greatest musical ever. We have truly have been blessed with wonderful musicals over the last few years. Um, but uh, you, you could give us money. Did you know that? You can give us money. We need money. We have a Patreon. You can you can give us money and it, it'll help. It'll help us buy a gun for Adam. We're going to buy a gun, guys. That's what we you're like, oh, my my money that I give you helps you, you know, pay for hosting and it helps you buy microphone. No, no, no. We're just we're just buying guns now. And uh, let's wreck the show that we're in fact not buying guns with the Patreon. <laughs> yeah, we're not, we're, not we're not buying, buying guns, guns with the Patreon, buddy. We're not buying guns. We are buying 
a gun. A gun. You're right. I'm sorry. One gun. Adam single Mark gun. Rose. One single gun that I'm gonna. We were gonna buy. We were gonna buy Sean a new microphone for a while, but no. It's all. We're all in on the on the Adam. All buy in Adam on a gun, a gun yeah. thing now. It's can you can you just like mail a gun? You probably can, right? Like you just mail guns That's to people. American. It's fine. It seems likely that we. <laughs> it's weird. It's like, do you have any lithium batteries in this box? Because then we won't let you mail the package. But if you have a gun, that's fine. <laughs> I think you have to put the safety on. They've probably oh, that's yeah. probably a thing, you know. Probably not loaded. Yeah, there's probably some rules. We'll look into it. Anyways, uh, yeah, you can give us money. It helps us out. Helps us pay for hosting. Helps us, uh, you know, just get better shit, sound better, be better people. And uh, you can give at any level. You can give us a couple bucks. You can give us all the way up to twenty five dollars. And at that level, you can you can actually dictate what we do for an episode. So that's that's fun. Isn't that fun? And uh, yeah, at any level, no matter what, uh, if, if you give us a couple bucks, I'm going to send you a movie from my personal collection in the mail. So you get, you get a free gift. So even if you fucking hate us, do you want a free random movie? Doesn't that sound like a fun thing for you? Sure. Maybe it's a DVD, a Blu-ray box set. You don't know. You have no idea. But it's coming your way. Uh, which reminds me, I got I to gotta go to the post office tomorrow. Yeah, you got to uh, send uh, CWW. They're, they're good uh, discs. Yeah. CCW, uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna send it. Speaking of which, we we probably ought to read out the names of the five dollar and up patrons. Yeah, who, yeah, who who the five dollar homies? Who we got? We have CWW. Uh, rest assured, your your disc is on its way. Uh, hopefully it's a good one. Uh, we have Evan, we have Ryan, we have Dustin, we have Paula. Thank you very much for your support. Yeah, no guns are being purchased you. with these funds. Yeah, no, no. Well, not at that level. We're going to need a lot more subscribers before we can buy you a gun out yeah. of it. Shit is expensive. I, Honestly, I like, I like uh, how... we never pull money out of the thing. I'm pretty sure we have enough to buy a gun. Also, I like how all of our shit. like Patreon stretch goals involve, like, I mean, we're trying to reach levels of state violence. Like, remember when we were trying to get more people? We're like, oh, if we hit this many Patreon subscribers, uh, Jack has to sign up for the army, and now we're going to get Myros a gun. So I, I don't... <laughs> We're really I, I think Adam has just things. dropped a bombshell that we could we could buy an optimism vaccine firearm. This yeah, is, wow. this, this is, is incredible. Huge. This is huge. <laughs> this is this is what huge. our audience has been waiting oh, we're, for. We're really going to lose every patron this month. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the people want. <laughs> God, some some podcasts have like an air horn sound. We're just gonna have a guy firing yeah. in the air whenever we we have a good zinger. Oh yeah, every, every good zinger you gotta fucking shoot into the ceiling. <laughs> what floor do you live? Are you, do, do you I live, live in the basement. That's probably not advice. <laughs> oh shoot, da- shoot down. Yeah, shoot. You better shoot down. At least you're not in the middle. That then we really wouldn't have a play there. But yeah, that's okay. That's good. We got that sorted. Uh, yeah, so if you have any uh, anything, we'd love to hear from you. So you can tweet at us at Optimism Vaccine. Uh, you can email us optimismvaccine at gmail.com. What's your favorite gun? Tell us your favorite gun. Uh, you could you could do that on either of those platforms. And I think that's pretty much everything. So Jack, enjoy your trip, and uh, we'll be back. Yeah, I can't wait for to hear what you guys cover in the next two weeks. I'm sure it will be incredibly good and well researched on the fly. <laughs> <laughs>